This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5, if you would. Luke chapter 5, starting uh, in verse number uh, 1 this morning. We're going to finish the new year where we started it. Uh, our theme for 2019 was launch out, uh, taken from this passage of Scripture. Uh, and uh, We looked at for probably, I would say, uh, 8 to 10 weeks or so this year, uh, what it meant to launch out by faith. And uh, we gleaned a lot of truth from this passage of Scripture uh, and really kind of, uh, I would say, wrung out a lot of truth from it. And so if you missed any of those messages, you can always get caught up online at our podcast at huicala.org or subscribe to our podcast on your mobile device. Or we also have a smartphone app. Uh, you can download to your, your phone or your tablet. Stay caught up that way. Whatever you do, uh, stay caught up on the preaching. I know it'll help you. Anything that you miss, uh, continue to, to listen to that online. And I know that you'll be greatly helped by that. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse number 1 this morning. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were with them in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And so they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of fishes that they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So take a look at this passage of Scripture this morning and make an application to uh, the end of this year and finishing strong, the beginning of a brand spanking new calendar year for us. I want to, to give you a, a quick caveat on today's message. Now, when you come to who we call a Baptist church, we place a high importance on the Bible. Uh, we place a high importance on the preaching and teaching of the Bible. Typically, on any, any given Sunday, we'll have what is called an exegetical message. That's a big, fancy word for we dissect the passage of Scripture and draw out the truth of it. Uh, what we do is we break it down. We look at the context, who it was written to, why it was written, things that happened, what we can learn from that, uh, how that applies to our life, how that shapes our viewpoint of the world and our own Christian life. Uh, and then uh, from time to time, we'll take take a look at a passage of scripture and we won't dig into it that deeply. We'll just take some principles that we can learn from it and how to apply those to our lives. Today is more of a principle-based approach. So we're not going to dig deep into the text uh, like we have in the past before. If you want to do that, we did that at the beginning of this year. We're just going to take some high-level principles that we can glean from this that'll make it directly applicable to our lives and what we can do with it this week. And so I want to give you that kind of as a caveat because uh, if you continue to come here to Hui Collar, you're going to learn more about the Bible than you've ever learned in your entire life because we dig in deep there. We place a high importance on the preaching and the teaching of the Bible. 
So as we look at this passage of scripture, we're just gonna take a look at some principles today that can help us. We're taking a look at this historical narrative. It's a, it's a story that really happened and what we can glean from that. Know this, anytime you open the Bible, you can learn something. Uh, the Bible is God's word written to us, uh, to teach us, to train us, to help us, to live for him. It's really our guidebook for life. Uh, sometimes people say funny things like, well, life doesn't come with an instruction manual. Actually, it does, and it's called the Bible. Well, kids don't come with an instruction manual. Actually, they do, and it's called the Bible. Well, marriage doesn't come with an instruction manual. Actually, it does, and it's called the Bible. It is directly applicable to every area of our life. This is why. I want to challenge you this morning. You must commit your life to becoming a student of the Bible. I don't think there'd be anybody here who would raise their hand and say, I think I know enough of the Bible as much as I could ever possibly need to for the rest of my life. I think all of us, um, myself included, are continuing to grow in God's word. And if this is our guidebook for life, we need to know this thing forwards and backwards, and we need to know what it says to us and what we do with that truth. And so this morning, uh, as we dig into this passage of scripture, I want you to look at some thoughts as we think towards the beginning of a new year. First of all, I want you to think about this. Jesus will be at work in the next 12 months. Guaranteed, he always is. Uh, from the very beginning of creation, Jesus Christ has been at work and he will continue to work until the end of this world. Guaranteed. So in the next 12 months, Jesus is gonna be doing something. If we take a look at this passage uh, here this morning, verse number three, it says, he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Jesus was already beginning to do something here, and we just have to look a little bit further down in the Bible to see exactly what Jesus was beginning to do. All these fishermen knew is here's a guy named Jesus. He comes over and gets in my boat when I'm trying to go home for the day. You see, these guys had fished all night. They were washing their nets. They were getting ready to go home for the day. And then Jesus rolls up, steps in Peter's boat and says, hey, take this boat and push it out a little ways. I got some stuff I need to say. And, and Peter didn't realize at that moment that, that Jesus was kicking off a chain of events that would change the world, change the world. In that very moment, you ever been, had the opportunity to look back at your life and see something that you might have looked at as a coincidence or a happenstance and see that that was God moving in a perfect way to set up the rest of your life? It's neat when you can look back at that with hindsight. Uh, I remember when I was in the Navy, uh, I was uh, stationed in Pensacola, Florida. Angela and I had just gotten married. Uh, we came up for orders. And they told us uh, that we uh, had gotten orders to Hawaii. If I was going to get orders to Hawaii, I had to extend for another year in the Navy. Didn't want to do that. So he said, well, if you don't do that, then you're going to have to go to Korea unaccompanied for a year. That's fine. Do whatever I got to do because I'm not extending for another year. And so it worked out a series of circumstances. They said, well, well good news, we got your orders to Hawaii. That's fine to me. I don't care where I go. I, all I know is in 24 months, I'm, I'm out of the Navy and I'm done. I don't care where I go, right? Funny looking back now, that move of our family to Hawaii for the very first time ever kicked off a chain of events that has you and I standing in this room this morning. And it's neat when you can look back at your life and see that. But how many of you know in that moment, we rarely have the opportunity to have that foresight. We never look at this and say, this decision that I'm making in this very moment will change the trajectory of the rest of my life. We never do that. We just think, ah, whatever, I'll just do my thing. I'll, I'll just, just go ahead, I'll keep plowing forward. But the decisions that we make ultimately determine our direction in life. And the direction that we have in life ultimately determines the destination in our life. And so all of this is interconnected. 
And so when it comes to the work that Jesus wants to do in your life in the next 12 months, just know this, he's gonna be at work guaranteed. He might be stepping into your boat and asking you if he can borrow it for a minute. He might be asking you to step out a little bit uh, from where your comfort zone is. But I guarantee you this, he's gonna be asking something of you in the next 12 months and you have the opportunity to either go along with it and obey or you have the opportunity to reject and rebel. Totally up to you. Peter, at any point, Jesus says, hey, push out your boat a little bit. Peter could have said, no, I'm tired. I'm fishing all night, didn't catch anything. I'm over this. Get somebody else's boat. Ton of other guys out here fishing today. Take one of their boats if you want. Or, or Peter could have even said, yeah, take my boat, and whenever you're done, just push it back up here to the shore and tie it up, and, and I'm going home for the day. But Peter chose to obey, and that decision set off a chain of events that literally changed the world. And Jesus is gonna do that again this year. He's gonna be working in the lives of people to change their lives and ultimately change the trajectory of the world that we live in today. Now, here's what Jesus needs though. Jesus is looking for followers. He's looking for people who would commit to walking this path with him. No doubt when Jesus went out, there were tons of other fishermen that were out that day. It was a popular fishing hole for the guys back then but he was looking for someone who would be willing to give up what they had to follow him. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24, Jesus said this, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is looking for people who would be disciples. A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And he's looking for people that would follow him. And just know this, if you choose to follow him, Things will take place in your life that you cannot fathom with your, with your mind the way things are right now. If you choose to fully commit to and follow Jesus, I'm telling you this, you'll never be disappointed ever, guaranteed. But you can choose not to, totally up to you. You don't have to. Notice Jesus wasn't forcing anybody. He wasn't commanding anybody. He didn't flex his authority on these people. He just gave them a choice to do whatever they chose to do. And so, unfortunately, some people will miss it. Jesus is wanting to do a major work in the next 12 months and some people are gonna miss out on it because they choose not to be engaged, because they choose to not be involved. <laughs> I'm not sure what Jesus wants to do in your life in the next 12 months, but I know this, he's not done with you. He's preparing something great for you in the next 12 months. I don't know what it is. And again, anybody that could tell you what that is is, is not of God. Again, we place high importance on the word of God. What does the Bible say? That folks who come before and say, uh, Pastor, could you speak a word of prophecy over our, our family? We don't do stuff like that. We speak Bible over your family. We tell people what God's word says over your family. I'll tell you exactly what the Bible says for you and your family, how to live this year, but I can't tell you what the future holds. I had a guy one time uh, who said, uh, Pastor, can I pray for you? I said, man, I need all the prayer I can get by all means. And so he began to pray for me, good things. God would bless me and protect my family and the power of God would rest upon me. He had all things that I wanted for sure. And he got to the end of that prayer and he says, Pastor, while I was praying, the Lord put something on my heart. And I said, okay, what's that? He says, the number seven, does that mean anything to you? Nope, nothing at all. I mean, seven days in a week, that's all I can think of. He was like, how about the number 50? Um... 50 was my basketball number in middle school, I think, uh, one year. 50 was David Robinson's number when he played for the Spurs. Anybody remember that? 
50 is a good number. So I thought, 50 is a good number. Is David Robinson's number? And he goes, no, no. Does that mean anything deep to you? That means nothing to me, okay? And here's what that is. That's just a bunch of nonsense. Now, had somebody says, Pastor, I want to challenge you with this word of prophecy. Love your wife the way that Jesus loves the church. Hey, I want to receive that. You know why? Because that's the word of God. That's what the Bible tells me. I, I want somebody to say, hey, I've got a word for you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. Hey, I want to receive that. Oh, pastor, I've got a word for you. He, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Please speak those words into my life because I need that. That's the word of God. But when you start saying stuff like, you ever owned a blue car before? I'm seeing a blue car. That's a bunch of nonsense. That's a bunch of parlor tricks. That's not of God. Just know that. Any true prophet of God in the Bible was right 100% of the time, 100% accuracy, no room for error. And the Bible commanded that there's a prophet that spoke a word that didn't come to pass. He was to be put to death. And so the Bible doesn't give us uh, a prescription on how to speak like that prophetically. The Bible says, just speak what I've already spoken. But here's the thing, some of you are gonna miss out on it because you're not following what Jesus has already spoken. Jesus says, if you'll be my disciples, you'll follow in my way, and some of you aren't following in Jesus' way. And you're gonna miss out on what Jesus has for you. I'm telling you this, you don't wanna miss out on that. The most important thing that Jesus wants for you is to know for sure that your sins are forgiven. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come to this world to be served, but he came to serve other people and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said this, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which were lost. Now, Jesus uses some awesome phraseology in the Gospels. He uses the term lost, and he uses the term saved. He uses the term lost and he uses the term born again and we need to know what those are. And, and friend, I'm telling you this, the number one thing that Jesus wants you to know in the next 12 months is that you are forgiven of your sin. You see, we're born into this sin-sick world. We don't have to look very far to see the effects of sin on our society today. But we're born into this sin-sick world with a sin problem ourselves. All of us have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. There's not a single person in this room that's perfect or righteous, this guy right here included. We're all in the same boat together. We've sinned. We've fallen short of God's expectation. God has rules. We break them, not once, twice, but habitually because the Bible says it's woven into our DNA. It's woven into our nature. It's who we are. We are sinners. And the problem with that is, is the Bible says sin has a price that must be paid. Because I've sinned against God, because you've sinned against God, a price must be paid for our sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. This is super important. Not only will you die a physical death one day, all of us will, none of us will survive this thing called life. And here's the thing, your day might be coming sooner than you think it is, you never know when it is, so you need to be ready at all times. We're all gonna die physically one day, but the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. When you take your last breath here on planet earth, you'll be standing before a holy God in judgment. And that's either really exciting or really terrifying for you. For me, it's really exciting. I know that if I died in my sin, I know that if you die in your sin and you have to pay for your sin on your own, that's gonna be the most terrifying day of your life because... The Bible says that after the physical death comes a spiritual death where we're separated from God for all of eternity in a place called hell. If you get nothing else today, get this. If you die in your sin, you go to hell forever and there's no getting out, no second chances, you're done for all of eternity. 
No one can pray you out. Nobody can give enough money. Nobody can light enough candles to ever get you out of your eternal punishment because that's the price that you must pay for your sin. It's terrible, terrible. And you say, well, why would a loving God do that? A loving God made a way for you to avoid all of that. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want you to pay for your sin. That's why the Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, I was supposed to die, Jesus died in my place. I was supposed to get God's punishment, Jesus took my punishment instead. I was supposed to endure God's wrath, Jesus endured God's wrath for me so that I can be forgiven. And Jesus says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Jesus said this, that if he that hath the son hath life, but he that hath not the son hath not life. Jesus said this, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is, listen to this, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Just like I have a birth date when I was born physically into this world, you must also have a spiritual birth date when you accepted Christ as your savior. And if you have never been saved, never been born again, know this, you will go to hell when you die. Not because I said it, uh, not because of what this church believes, but because of what the Bible says. You must pay for your sin or have someone pay for you. Either you pay for it or someone else pays. Now, here's the thing. I can't pay for your sin because I have my own sin that must be paid for. This church couldn't pay for anybody's sin. There's not a church in the world that could pay for your sin because it's full of people who need their sin paid for. There's not enough water in the world to wash away your sins. There's not enough good works you can do to outdo all the bad that you've done. There's only one way to heaven, and its name is Jesus. John chapter 14, verse number six, the Bible says, I am the way, Jesus speaking. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Did you get that? Jesus claims to be the only way to heaven. And so if you think that there's another way, then you disagree with Jesus, and I know who's right. If you disagree with the, the idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven, then you disagree with the Bible, and I know who's right. It's not right because I'm right or because this church is right. It's right because the Bible's always right. And just know this. Let me help you this with this as an aside. This goes to you even if you're, there's a time in your life where you've been saved or born again. When you come to the point that your feelings disagree with what the Bible says, know this, your feelings are always wrong. When your rational thinking ever disagrees with what the Bible says, know this, your rational thinking's always wrong because the Bible's always right. It, st it stood the test of time. And so the most important thing that you need to know before you leave here today is that your sins are forgiven because here's the thing. If you're willing today to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I'm willing to receive his payment for my sins and I'm willing to leave my sin behind and follow Jesus, the Bible says you can be saved today. You don't have to join this church. This is not how to be a Baptist. This is not how to, uh, you don't have to go to a class or anything like that. You just need to know, I've sinned against God. I believe that Jesus is the way, and I confess my sin to him today, and you can be saved. And friend, let me tell you this. When you're saved, nobody can ever take that away from you. Once you are saved, you're, the Bible says you're adopted into the family of God, and now you're a child of God and no one can ever take that from you. You know for sure that you're saved. The Bible says that wide is the path that leads to destruction, 
but narrow is the way that leads to righteousness and there'll be few that find it. Not everybody's gonna go to heaven. Here's the worst part about it. Mm, worst part. There's gonna be people who claimed to be Christ's followers that aren't going to heaven. Jesus himself said that. Said, Many will say unto me in that day, the judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? What, what is this? And Jesus will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's almost like Jesus is saying, who are you again? You're not, you're not a child of, of God's. I'm looking in the book of life and I don't see your name here. So Jesus himself says that heaven or hell is not based on our good behavior. It's not based on our popularity. It's not a matter of even what church you belong to. It's about where do you put your faith? Is your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior? There's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna miss it. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to, to Christ, but I want you to find that narrow way. Luke chapter 18, verse number 22, there's a rich young ruler that had come to Jesus. And now when Jesus had heard these things, he said unto him, yet thou lackest one thing, sell all thou hast and distribute it to the poor. Now shall have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. And we heard this, he was very sorrowful for he was rich. Rich man came to Jesus, his master. What do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus was just kind of uh, testing the waters with him, seeing where he was at. And he said to him, oh, just keep all the commandments. Oh, I've done that already. What else do I have to do? Sell everything you got, come and follow me. And he goes, oh, yeah, I can't do that. And Jesus said, okay, that's fine. And you know what Jesus did? He just went on. He didn't say, oh, come on, man. Maybe you could follow me on the weekends. Maybe you can only sell half of what you got. He didn't cut a deal with him. Jesus said, okay. And that man missed out. I don't know about you, but can you imagine, first of all, getting to see Jesus face to face? That would be awesome. Secondly, hearing Jesus teach. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was the word of God. So to hear the incarnate in the flesh, word of God speak the truths of the word of God would have been mind-blowing. But can you imagine Jesus putting your arm, his arm around you and say, hey man, come on, come follow me. What a privilege and an honor that would have been to walk with Jesus. But this guy was just like, ah, I can't. I've got too much stuff that I don't want to give up yet. And he walked away. And we can look at that and go, wow, what a loser. Can you imagine him giving up all of that Jesus had for him? For all the stuff that he had accumulated? What a loser. Hmm. Funny story. Jesus is saying to me, Jesus is saying to you, with his arm around you, hey, come and follow me. I got some awesome stuff I want to show you. And you and I say stuff like, well, my kids got basketball this season, and so maybe in the summer I might come and follow you. Or yeah, I want to follow you. How much time does that take out of my Sunday mornings? Because I'm super busy on Sundays. Yeah, I, I, I want to follow you, but oh, things are crazy at work right now. Maybe when things die down at work, I'll follow you. Yeah, I want to follow you, but Sunday's my only day off, and oh, I can sleep in. And so is there another way? And you know what, what's going to happen? And again, if you make excuses and don't want to follow Jesus, you know what's going to happen? Jesus is going to roll on without you. He's not gonna sit and try to cut a deal with you. Here's the thing at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't need any person in this room to accomplish his work, but he wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to get in on it. And so many times we miss out on what Jesus has because we make excuses. 
Next in this passage, I see that your level of involvement is determined by your priorities. <coughs> Again, Peter, at the end of a long work day, been fishing all night, caught nothing. If you've ever had an unproductive day at work, you can imagine how Peter feels, right? <laughs> you put eight, 10 hours in at the office, you feel like you got nothing done. Uh, there's been times where I've just been working and working and working and then I look at my to-do list, I've got nothing done on my to-do list for the entire day. That's how Peter felt. And he was frustrated, I'm sure, ready to go home. And Jesus says, hey, look, jump in your boat. I got, got some things I need to say. Push out from a little bit from the, the shoreline. I'm gonna teach these folks some stuff. And Peter, in that moment, had a choice he needed to make. Am I gonna prioritize my own comfort or my own wants and desires, or am I gonna obey? He had to set some priorities in his life. And I want to challenge you in the next 12 months to make Jesus a priority in every area of your life, every area, from the way that you spend your time to the way that you spend your money to the way that you spend the talents and abilities God's given you. Make Jesus a priority. One of the things I love about Hui Kala Baptist Church is, first of all, we're family. Uh, for, for me, my closest family member lives 5,000 miles away. But that doesn't bother me because my family's here. We're, the Bible says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that God is our Father. We share a common Father. None of us are uh, automatic children of God. We're all adopted kids who make up a family together. And I'm thankful that this is an easy family to break into. You know what you need to do to be a part of the family here? Just keep showing up. Just keep being a part. Just be here week after week, and you're going to get to know people. Uh, some For the uh, introverts amongst us, which I would include myself in, the handshaking time is probably the most excruciating part of your entire week. It's so long. It goes on forever. You know what the Bible commands us to do is, as the church, to fellowship, to talk, to find out how people are doing. And so many times we get in, maybe we come in late, or maybe we're grabbing a cup of coffee, and then the, the song service starts, and then uh, service is over, and we need to get to lunch, or we got stuff we got to do for today, or the kids got a, a school project to work on, we got to get out of here, and we just get on with our life. And so it's, it's good sometimes to just have purposeful time that we just park for a minute and spend time together as family. It's important. That's one of the reasons why we do that. Secondly, I want to get to know every single person in this church, and I know if I can only have maybe 5, 10, 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds to talk with folks uh, on a Sunday morning, it, it develops a sense of community. And you begin to see, see the same people week after week, and then you find that certain people have the, the places that they like to sit over other places, and then some people uh, think that this is a, a warm section, that's a cold section over there, and so they want to sit over here, and if I have to sit on the other side, I have to bring a sweater to sit on that side, and things like that, and, and everybody kind of has their place that they fit into. Why? Because we're family, and that's what family does. And the great part about family is if you sit in somebody's seat, nobody cares. It's family. We're glad you're here. And so if this is your first Sunday at Hui Call, let me first of all say thank you for being here. Secondly, this is a family, and we're welcoming you in to be part of our family. It doesn't matter if you're going to be here for, for a week or if you're going to be here for 10 years. You're part of our family. Put down some roots and stay here for a while. It's an easy church family to break into, but it requires us to make church a priority. It requires us to make the things of God a priority. I don't know about you, but there was plenty of other things I could do on a Sunday morning than be here today. But for 20 years, Angela and I have made God's house a priority. I have some friends that are here on vacation today. You know what they did? They came to church. You know why? Because being with God's people in God's house is a priority for them. It's just something that they do. 
I love it when people spend a ridiculous amount of money to come to a place like Hawaii, and what they want to do on a Sunday morning is worship God with God's people. That's huge. You know why? Because it's a priority. And our priorities will determine the fruitfulness of the year that we have ahead. Hey, look, every single person in this room, myself included, needs to take a step up in 2020, every single one of us. What's the area that God's calling you to take a step up in? What's the area that you really need to prioritize in the coming year? Maybe it's your church attendance. Maybe you need to be here every single time the doors are open. Maybe you've never been on a Sunday night and you need to start coming on Sunday night to learn more of the word. I'm telling you this, the more that you hear the word, the more you'll grow as a Christian. It just works out that way. And if you come most Sunday mornings, then maybe throughout a given year, if you make it 40 Sundays, you'll hear 40 Bible messages. But can you imagine if you were here every Sunday morning, you heard 52 Bible messages. But then you started coming on Sunday nights too, and you heard 104 Bible messages. Can you imagine how much more you would grow as a Christian? And then on top of that, maybe you gather together for one of our Bible studies that meets throughout the week and you come on Wednesday nights and you're part of a small group on a Wednesday night and you hear another message from the Bible and get an application from the Bible there. Hey, guess what? You've now gone to 150 plus times that you've heard the Bible taught that you can apply to your life. Can you imagine what they'll do to your Christian growth as opposed to making it 30, 40 times in a given year? being here 150 times? Can you imagine what they'll do for your sense of community, of getting plugged in to the church here, getting to know other people growing together in your relationship with Jesus? Can you imagine what that would do for you? But it comes down to this, priorities. We gotta make it a priority. For some of you, maybe it's sharing your faith with other people. This hasn't been a priority for you. Maybe you've been an undercover Christian and now you need to maybe, I don't know, for lack of a better term, come out as a Christian this year, we'll even throw a coming out party for you if you want to. Hey, I'm talking about not being ashamed of being a Christian. Hey, this is who I am. I don't have a problem saying that I'm a Christian. If that's weird for you, I'm sorry that it's weird for you. It's not weird for me. It's just who I am. If that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but I'm not going to deny who I am as a Christian. And again, there's so much going on in the world today, especially uh, I, I hate when religion gets wrapped up in politics and it's almost like to be a, a, a legit, true Christ follower, you have to be, a, you're automatically lumped in with folks that are automatically Republican, automatically Trump supporters, automatically hate mongers, automatically don't like everybody, automatically racists and all that other stuff. That's garbage. I'm a Jesus Christ follower, period, end of story. Has nothing to do with anything else. And just know this, if you call yourself a Christian and you're a racist, you're a fake Christian. Done. You call yourself a Christian and you hate anybody, you're a fake Christian done. End of story. Jesus' message was love, and we love people even when we disagree with their moral choices. We love the socks off of them, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus caught a woman in adultery, and he says this, where are your accusers? And she says, there's none. Here's what he said, neither do I condemn you. I'm not going to condemn your sin, but, here's what he said, Go and sin no more. I can't condemn anyone's sin. I don't have the power to do that, but I can't condone anyone's sin either. Simple as that. So if I disagree with somebody, I disagree with them in love. I don't dislike you. I'm not against you. I love you. I'm for you. I want you to find the greatest fruitfulness in life. You'll never find that when chasing sin. I guarantee you that. But just know this. 
maybe standing up for your faith is something that you need, an area that you need to grow in. And I'm telling you this, God honors that. Maybe it's something as simple as passing an invitation to a coworker. Hey, I'd like to invite you to come to church. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. When I talk to somebody on a Sunday morning, I say, hey, how did you find our church? They say, a friend invited me. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You got good friends. They're looking out for you. And so I want to be that type of guy that brings people to Jesus this year. Maybe it's discipleship. Maybe you need, need to commit to a lifelong process of learning what it means to be a committed follower of Jesus. We have a, our discipleship program starts in February. We'll take a look at that a little bit uh, more in detail next week. Maybe you need to commit to discipleship. Maybe you need to take a look at your financial giving. God commands us to give 10% of what we get to him before we do anything else with our money. Maybe you need to grow in that area. And that's an area of faith that you need to step out on. Here's what I'm trying to say. All of us have an area this year where we need to grow. Are we willing to follow Jesus or are we content to just kind of coast? The Bible says, uh, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he says, I I challenge you to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I want you to continually be striving upward. Never be content with where you are. Here's the thing about following Jesus. You don't always know where it's going. Jesus got in Peter's boat and says, hey, can you push out a little ways? Peter says, yeah, sure. Jesus didn't say to Peter, Hey, Peter, I'm looking for some guys to follow me for three and a half years. You'll probably deny me at the end. I'm probably going to be crucified, but I'll rise again the third day. And when I leave, I'm going to put you, uh, having the opportunity to preach to 3,000 people and baptize them and basically kick off the beginning of the church. Peter, are you good with that? Peter would be like, oh, what? You know what Jesus said? Hey, Peter, can I borrow your boat for a second? Can you push out just a little ways? Good. Hey, Peter, can you launch out into the deep? Hey, Peter, can you take your nets and throw them over on the side? Hey, Peter, can we take this boat back to land? Hey, Peter, follow me. You're not going to catch fish anymore. We're going to catch men from here on out. And you know what he did? He just followed him one step at a time. You might not know where this whole thing's going, but here's what you do know. God expects you to be faithful. Start being faithful. We took a look at this several weeks ago but on a Sunday night. But did you know the Bible never ever, ever, ever places emphasis on people with talent, ever. We think to ourselves, well, I would do more if I was a better speaker. Well, I would do more if I could add something to offer. When you ask people, uh, what's something, some way that you'd like to serve in the church? They immediately say, I can't sing and I don't want to work with kids. Oh, okay, well, just, you don't have to do anything then. As if those are the only two areas where one could serve Jesus in the church. That's crazy. The Bible never places any emphasis on talent. It always places emphasis on faithfulness. Can you just show up? Can you show up with a good attitude? Can you show up with a smile? Then just do that. Can you wake up in the morning and read your Bible? Just do that. Can you pray every day, even if it's only for 30 seconds? You say, Pastor, what good's 30 seconds of prayer going to do? A lot more than zero seconds of prayer, I guarantee you that. And you gotta start somewhere. I don't know about you, but I I, I love New Year's goals and goal setting, things like that. I hate New Year's resolutions because everybody always breaks those. I like New Year's goals and a fresh start and man, looking back at a calendar and see what I've accomplished. I made a foolish uh, idea uh, several years ago. I was gonna read through the Bible in 30 days. Whole thing. (laughs) I had to... 
there's a guy who's preaching in the church that we were in, and he says, you can read through the entire Bible if you only spent three hours a day in the Bible. I thought, three hours a day? That's totally doable. <laughs> Got this. And so I'm thinking to myself, hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half at night, easy. And so I, I start off, like the first three or four days, I'm doing great. Uh, like probably day five or day six, I missed in the morning and so I had to read three hours at night. And so I put Angela and the kids to bed at 10 o'clock and I spent three hours reading the Bible till one o'clock in the morning. I got up the next morning completely exhausted to put in my hour and a half and I'm just like going through, getting it done, marking it off, going through, getting it done, marking it off. And Angela gets up and I've already had three cups of coffee by the time she wakes up. And she was like, oh, you're still making progress. Go, yeah. She goes, what did you read today? <laughs> no idea. No idea. And she says, what do you mean? I don't even know what I'm reading. No, I mean like what books of the Bible have you read this morning? I don't know. And she goes, you think that's the purpose of being in the Word? No, but I got to get this done to tr- check it off to say, I read the Bible in 30 days. I mean like, do you know of anybody who's ever read the Bible in 30 days? I don't. I'm going to be that guy. And she goes, oh, great. Pride's always a really good motivator for serving the Lord. Okay, I see where you're going with that. I still want to try to finish it out. And it's got to be, by like day seven, it was a chore. Oh, I got to get this done. And I realized it's not worth it. Walking with Jesus shouldn't be a chore. It should be a delight. I should be excited about reading my Bible in the morning. Oh, wow, what am I going to get today? If you've ever read through the book of Proverbs before, Proverbs is a great place to start. It's a a bottom shelf uh, starter, but it's top shelf in content, guaranteed. There's so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs, you'll never exhaust it. And there's 31 Proverbs, which means you can read one proverb every single day. So today's the 29th, you could read Proverbs 29 today. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 30. And on the 31st, read Proverbs 31. And then you start back over at Proverbs 1 on the 1st. And you'll never exhaust Proverbs. And because the Bible's a living book, whatever you're going through that day, you're going to find something like, oh, that hits me like right here. Oh, I'm smitten. That's what the Word is supposed to do. It's not a textbook. We don't read it for information. We read it for application. And we need to become students of the Word. I don't know what you, where you need to take a step up, but you need to take a step up. You don't always know where it's going, and you don't need to. You just need to know what's the next step. I don't need to know where all this is going to end up. I just need to know what the next step is. Hey, look, you'd found me 20 years ago and said, hey, one of these days God's going to use you to be a pastor. I'd have been like, ha ha. 20 years ago, I wasn't even going to church faithfully. I went to church when I felt like it, which was like twice a month. And so if I had seen the end, the destination, I wouldn't have even wanted to walk the path. But you know what we did? We just walked the path one step at a time. And Angela and I made a decision probably 20 years ago that whatever God tells us to do, we're just going to do it. And we're just going to follow by obedience. And the first thing that that was was faithful church attendance. The second thing that that was was giving, being faithful in our tithes and offerings, missions giving, and giving through grace, giving to extra needs that the church had. Another thing that we want to do is we want to help meet the needs of other people and love other people and serve other people and stop seeing church for what we could get out of it and what we could put into it. Oh, that's what our faith like blew up because it changed everything. You don't have to know where it's going. You just need to know what the next step is. And here's the thing about that. Clearly defined priorities help us make predetermined decisions. Setting your priorities ahead of time will help you make 
decisions in the future really easily. We made a decision 20 years ago. With our children, we're gonna be in church every single time the doors are open. That's just a personal decision that we made because we knew it would be good for our kids and for our family and good for us. So it's the decision we made. When we moved to, to Honolulu and we were homeschooling our kids for a while, my son Vanderlei wanted to play basketball. All the basketball leagues had practice on Saturday games on Sunday. Decision's already made. You're not playing basketball. Well, maybe we could make it to the Sunday night service. Oh, so, so we play basketball on Sunday mornings while the church is worshiping together. We're out doing our own thing and we'll try to squeeze the service in to check it off the list. That's not how we roll. Jesus is first in everything and everything else flows from that. So we had made a decision, being in the house of God as a family is a priority for us. Therefore, everything else is off the table. Uh, one of McKeeley's friends had a birthday party on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We'll be there at 12.30, hopefully, if dad doesn't preach too long. Uh, but hey, after church is over, we can have, already have the birthday present ready, go over to the party, and whatever's left of the party will go there. Simple as that. That's a decision that we made. Well, it's her best friend's birthday party. It's once a year. That wasn't a conversation that ever came up in our house. You know why? Because we had clear priorities that were set 20 years ago that have made predetermined decisions for us in the future. Here's the thing. Peter decided, I'm going to leave everything and follow Jesus. Simple as that. Jesus says, go, I'm going to go. Here's the beautiful thing. If you read John chapter 6, Jesus feeds thousands of people, and then he gets heavy. And he says, hey, if you're not willing to take me lock, stock, and barrel, I don't want you. And he goes so far as to say this, if you're not willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood, he didn't mean that literally, but he says, if you're not in this completely, all in, you can go. And the Bible says many of his disciples left with him and walked with him no more. And Jesus said this, he turned to his apostles, and he says, will you guys also go away? And oh man, Peter is known for saying the dumbest things in the entire Bible, right? But he was right on the money this time. And he said, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We got no plan B. Of course we're following you. It's not even an option. You know why? Because Peter made a decision when Jesus called him. Hey, leave everything here and follow me. Peter says, done. And when difficult times came, Peter says, I'm still following. Now, Peter wasn't perfect. He denied Jesus three times. But in that moment, Peter says, I've already set my priorities, so this decision is already predetermined. I don't even have to talk about it. I don't have to think about it. We don't have to take a vote here. All of us are all in, lock, stock, and barrel, setting their priorities early on. Look, I hope you'll make a list of 2020 goals this year but I hope that there'll be goals that will impact other people. Hey, look, if you're 20 pounds overweight, I hope you make a goal to, to lose 20 pounds. But if your only goal for this year is self-centered goals, I want to get to the gym, I want to lose weight, I want to eat healthy, I want to get my uh, you know, advanced college degree, I want to, to do this, you're missing the point of the Christian life. My goals include, I want to see X number of families from my gym come to church in the, the year ahead. I want to lead X number of people to Christ. I want to personally disciple X number of people. I want to spend X amount of times with my kids individually every single month. It's not about me, but what I can give to other people. That's where our priorities have to be. Self-centered priorities will get you nowhere. 
Put your priorities on Christ and those around you. It'll change everything. Final thought this morning, following Jesus is not a one-time event, but it's a lifelong process. Take a look at verse number 11. They brought their ships to land. They forsook all and followed him. James and John, verse number 10 says, would also be a part of those that followed him. They forsook all. They left everything. Jesus said, follow me. They said, okay. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they were doing. Jesus said, you used to catch fish. Now you're going to catch men. What does that even mean? Have you ever thought about that? You and I look at that and they go, oh, we're going to catch men now and bring them to Christ and see a great harvest the way that we pulled all these fish in. They didn't know that. We look back at that with hindsight and go, oh, that makes total sense. Can you imagine Jesus saying, hey, you used to catch fish, come with me, we're going to catch men now. Are we going to be bounty hunters now? <laughs> like, literally catch men? Like, what are we going to, what does that mean? They didn't know, but they followed. Anyways, and they didn't just follow for a couple of days. They followed until the death. It was a lifelong process for them, this following Jesus, this launching out by faith, this going into the uncomfortable area, this part of self-renewal, self-restoration, challenging their self, taking a step up. This would be a lifelong process for them. And when Jesus calls you to follow him, he doesn't call you to follow him for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. He calls you to follow him for the rest of your life. And some people are turned out off by that. Hey, I want Jesus on Sundays, but I don't want him the other six days of the week. I'm willing to follow Jesus for a little bit and see if my uh, standard of living improves. If so, I'm willing to give this a shot. Hey, is Jesus gonna help my kids to be better behaved? I'll take that. Is Jesus gonna fix my marriage? I'll take that. Is Jesus gonna improve my health problems I have? I'll take that. And at what point I don't need Jesus anymore, I'll set him to the side and bounce to the next thing. Jesus is not interested in that. He wants people who will follow even through difficult times, even through times of uncertainty, even through times of trials and difficulties. He's looking for faithful followers day by day by day. Will you be one of those faithful followers? I hope that you will. Because I'm telling you this, there's no satisfaction to be found in half-hearted devotion to God. Let me say that again. There's no satisfaction to be found in half-hearted devotion to God. Do you know why people are leaving churches in the droves? Because we've lowered the bar for people as far as what following Jesus is like. Folks, I know you're busy, so if you can't make it out on a Sunday night, that's not a big deal. If you don't want to be part of our small groups, that's fine. I know you're busy through the week and kids got stuff going on. If you can't make it on Sundays, just pray wherever you are. What? That's not the life of a disciple. I'm not saying if you're not here three times a week, you're not a disciple of Christ. I'm talking about it comes to priorities. Jesus is not a minor inconvenience. The Bible says that Jesus is our life. He's everything to us. He's not something that we do on the weekends. He's not something we dabble with when we have time. He is our life. And if you're halfway committed to it, you're gonna be greatly disappointed. Look, it's like anything else in life. You go to the gym twice a month, you're gonna be disappointed with your results. You try to eat healthy twice a month and you're hitting the McDonald's drive-through the rest of the month, you're gonna be greatly disappointed. McDonald's has a brief window of excitement and after that, it's all disappointment after that, right? <laughs> Look, the joy, satisfaction, contentment that your heart craves comes in wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ. 
Again, this is all about priorities. It's a reset. The good news is it's easier with other people. Verse number 10, James and John also followed Jesus. Peter, James, and John, some people have called those Jesus' inner circle, his folks that walk with him really closely. It's easier with other people. That's why you can't just listen to the podcast and oh, I'll be to church when I can. When I'm not, I'll just listen to the podcast. It's not the same. There's something about sitting side by side in a room full of people that are going the same direction you are. It's about seeing the same people week after week and say, hey, how are you doing this week? Hey, how's your mom doing? I've been praying for her. Hey, that trip you're taking to the mainland, when is that again? I, got that, I wanna put that on my prayer list and pray for you this week. Hey, how'd that thing work out at work? I've been praying about that. Hey, how can I pray for you this week? Hey, is there anything that I can do for you? There's power in that. You know what it's called? It's called community. And the Bible says that in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's always better to have a team with you because if one person falls and they don't have anybody with them, who's gonna help them get up? We all need someone by our side. And it's easier to walk with Jesus when you got people surrounded around you. And so I wanna challenge you. Double down on your commitment to, to this community in the year ahead. And some of you might be hearing yourself, well, I'm not really sure that this is the church for me or anything like that. I tell you this, who we call is not for everyone. I'll give you that. But if this place is for you, would you drop anchor, jump in with both feet, roll up your sleeves, and get to work serving Jesus with us? If this is not the right place for you, then please find another place where you can drop anchor, jump in with both feet, roll up your sleeves, and get to work serving Jesus. Time's short. We don't know how much time we have left on this earth. We need to use what we have left to serve Jesus. This will require leaving some things behind. Verse number 11, it says, they forsook all and followed him. The Greek language in which this was uh, written, the word all, you know what it means? All. <laughs> Everything. They didn't hold anything back. In another account, the Bible says that James and John were actually in the boat with their father, Zebedee, and they left their dad in the boat to, like, clean up. Hey, you got all these fish, we're out of here later. Now, mind you, these guys as fishermen had just pulled in probably a career haul ever. So much fish that their nets broke, their nets weren't prepared for this kind of fish. So much fish that their boat sank their boat wasn't prepared for that much fish, so much that they brought friends over to help them and their boat began to sink. They weren't prepared for that. You talk about success, these guys had hit the pinnacle of career success in this very moment. And you know what they did? Later, guys. Hey, what do you want us to do with the boat? I don't care what you do with the boat. What are we supposed to do with all these fish? <laughs> I don't know, not my problem. They didn't put in a two weeks notice. When Jesus said go, they went. And moving into 2020, there's gonna be some things that if you're gonna follow Jesus unconditionally, there's gonna be some things you gotta leave behind. I don't know that Jesus is calling anybody in this church to sell their home or sell all their possessions and move somewhere. I know that God is calling every single person in this room to be willing to set aside everything to follow him and to follow him right here. I've known people before who say, oh, you know, I feel like maybe God's leading us to be missionaries to China. It's like, bro, you don't even come to church. Start there. 
I just feel like we could be more faithful if we were on the mission field. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. Here's just a small tidbit for that. God never calls you to do full-time what you're not even doing part-time. You get a chance to be a missionary here. You get a chance to share Jesus here. You get a chance to be involved in the local church here. But you come once a month? That's not discipleship. I promise you, I don't have a corner on the market of talking with God, but I know this, God doesn't call unfaithful people to do his work. That goes all throughout the Bible. He calls faithful people. And some of us to follow Jesus, we're gonna have to leave some things behind. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to leave behind in, in 2019 and never touch it again. <laughs> I was talking with a guy several weeks ago who said that he struggles with alcoholism. And I said, man, start a new streak starting today. Start today. He said, I'm never gonna touch it again for the rest of my life. He said this, can I start on January 1st? You can start anytime you want to but are you really willing to allow your sin to hold you back? I know there's a change I need to make. I know there's something I need to do, but I'm not willing to do it yet. Hey, look, you need to leave that behind. Is there something that's holding you back in your walk with Jesus? If so, leave it behind. You can't afford it. You gotta move forward. Sometimes this requires leaving people behind. James and John left their dad behind. This is hard let me tell you this, if you decide to be a committed follower of Jesus, not everybody's gonna be happy for you. Not everybody's gonna be like, oh, I'm so glad you found something that's so good for you. I'm so glad that you found something that brings meaning and purpose to life. I'm so glad that you're doing something positive with your life. It's gonna be like, oh, wow, you're one of those, huh? Oh, great, now every family gathering's gonna be you telling me how I'm going to hell, great. Oh, I bet you're a, a racist, a homophobe, and a Trump supporter too, right? It's just like, no, 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 stop. Not everybody's gonna be happy about your faith. And here's the thing. With family, you can't cut your family out of your life. Here, again, let me help you with something. Any, some, any group of people that tells you for your religious purposes you need to cut people wholeheartedly out of your life, there's a name for that. It's called a cult. It's not healthy. But just know this. Negativity in your life, you can limit that giving people your ear and allowing them to speak into your life, you can limit that. You can choose who you wanna spend time with. And I wanna spend time with people that are going the same direction I am. Hey, you know what? If I wanna be a better dad this year, you know who guys I need to hang around with? Guys that are solid dads. If I wanna be a better husband this year, you know who I need to hang out with? Guys that are solid husbands that have been doing it for decades. Those are the people I wanna spend time with. I got a group of guys that I'll grab lunch with every... Uh, month or so, a little bit further down the road than I am. I get wisdom from them. I talk to them about parenting and, and marriage and life and walking with Jesus for the long haul. I need people like that in my life and you do too. Hey, look, if all the people you're hanging around with are people that are mocking, making fun of your faith, talking trash about your, your marriage, telling you to just let your kids do whatever they wanna do and stuff like that, hey, look, those are people that are trying to take you away from your faith, not push you towards it. And again, it's not people you gotta cut out of your life altogether. I'm just gonna limit their influence. Some of you need to cut off your social media. I'm just gonna tell you that. 2019, I didn't look at Facebook or Instagram at all aside from posting stuff for our church at all. And I'm telling you this, it helped my soul. Oh, it helped my soul. And you know what's funny? It's, people would have like major life events. 
hey, pastor, did you know that we're moving to, you know, Muskegee, Oklahoma? I had no idea. Yeah, we leave next week. Wow, I didn't know that. Really? I posted it on Facebook. I didn't see it. Oh, look at your Facebook. I don't care. Some of you just need to cut that out of your life because what's going on with everybody else is stealing your joy. I used to always look through what everybody else got for Christmas and where they went for Christmas and all their amazing photos that they had for Christmas. And stuff like that. And you know what I found? I found myself comparing myself to them and, and then I, I lost joy in the things that God had given me because I was comparing myself to other people. And I can't afford that. You can't either. Some of you might need to just leave all your social media behind. Done. <laughs> people might think you fell off the face of the planet. You stop posting every day what you had for lunch. But they'll be okay. They'll go on. I don't know what it is that you need to leave behind, but I guarantee there's something that's holding you back from being where you need to be with Jesus. Here's the most important part. This will require faith. I don't know what walking with Jesus looks like for you in 2020, and frankly, you don't either. That's why it's faith. I don't know where this is gonna end up for you, and you don't either, but that's why it's faith. I don't know what would happen to your life if you fully committed to Christ like never before in 2020. I don't know what that would look like, but that's where faith comes in. And I love Hebrews 11, 6. It's a great promise from God's word. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. You want a a 2020 that pleases God, you gotta live it by faith. Got to. You gotta be willing to step out past your comfort zone. You gotta be willing to launch out into the deep. You gotta be willing to leave everything and follow Jesus to see that faith. But faith pleases God. And I think it's Hebrews 11, 6 in your your notes, it is. (laughs) But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. I love that he is because he is the I am. He is the self-existent one. He is Jehovah God. He is good to all the promises of his book. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, that's good stuff. I don't know what 2020 has in store for you, but I know this, if you seek to diligently follow Jesus, he's promised to reward you, to take care of you to give you everything that your soul craves and desires, guaranteed. Requires faith on your part, though. Are you willing to believe it? <laughs> I, I talked to folks before and said, hey, you know, how come you don't come out on a Wednesday night to our connect groups? Well, I tried it once and it wasn't for me. Hmm. I said that about the gym the first time I went to. Just tried it, it really wasn't for me. A lot, of, a lot of sweating going on there. I didn't really like that. I tried to eat healthy one time, and I was just hungry all the time. And so I just said, I'm not going to eat healthy anymore. It's a process that we have to walk through by faith. Hey, I'm doing this because it honors God. I'm doing this because it's good for me, and it's good for my walk with God. And I believe that God's going to bring something good from it. I don't know what it is, but if God's spoken to you this morning, I want to challenge you. Get your priorities straight. Maybe that means you gotta switch some stuff around. Maybe you need to cut some stuff off. Maybe it means you need to limit some people's influence in your life. I don't know what it is, but I know that all of us have an area we need to take a step up. And you got three years left, or three days left in this year to prep for the new year. I hope you set some good goals that are others focused. I hope maybe you'll uh, finish off that fudge before the new year starts because you're gonna start eating clean on January 1st. I hope you'll stock up with lots of kale in your refrigerator for the new year. Just get some wet grass clippings. It'll be about the same. (laughs) Look, I don't know what it is, but I know this. 
Jesus wants followers. Are you willing to follow him? What's it cost? Everything. Everything. What do you gain? Everything. That's how good this is. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven's your home, if you're not sure 100% if you died today that you'd be immediately in heaven, don't leave here today without knowing for sure your sins are forgiven. Hey, look, all the goal-setting priorities and church attendance in the world could never save you. Only your faith in Jesus today can. So if if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, please don't leave here without knowing that for sure. But for those of us that are children of God, hey, let's follow Jesus like never before in the year ahead. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.